we're going to talk today, uh, continuing the series I've been doing on the kingdom of God, and, and I want to talk to you out of uh, Matthew 16. So I'd love you to read it with me if you've got it in a Bible or a device. Uh, you want to turn there, that would be really good. I'll give you a moment to find Matthew 16 and verse 13 is where we're going to jump into this. And uh, the, the, the title today is... Well, I've got two titles. I usually have at least two titles. The Church, Why Bother? Which I think is quite appropriate as we exit lockdown. I think kind of shaking off our jammies and our joggers and actually engaging with the church. Why bother? The Church, Why Bother? Or, or, or a slightly more serious one, which is the church and the kingdom. And how do they, how do they relate to one another? Um, so there's some sometimes some unhelpful sayings happen in the christian world uh that capture some of the truth and all of it and then they kind of become like scripture to us and that's not always that helpful so there's a there's a saying that's been going around for a while now that is that our job is to seek the kingdom and we kind of leave jesus he's the one that builds the church and i think that that as we'll see today that that really doesn't quite fit the way that jesus saw the kingdom and the church. So we're going to dig into that as we look at this today. Um, so if you've got that, I'm going to read it for us. And uh, If you're following online, you can... Well, sometimes people listen to this in, in the bath. So it's not, not, not advisable to have your device open at that point. So I'm going to read it for you. So verse 13... <laughs> It happens. It really does. Uh, <laughs> Matthew sixteen thirteen. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Um, so this is about the church, but it's also about the kingdom because he, he talks about building his church on the rock and then straight away he says, I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom and then you're going to bind and you're going to loose. And we'll see as we go through this that this this passage, the language in this passage is full of language that reflects uh, authority or places of authority in government uh, rather than just a, you know, a nice familiar Bible passage. And, and, and I kind of thought the best way actually to do this is to do something I don't often do, which is kind of go through it a phrase at a time to unpack what what is going on in, in this particular passage as we continue our study into the, the kingdom of God. So we're going to start with the on this rock. So he's good old Peter. He's spoken up as he as he often does. And um, Peter's name we know means rock and, and it means like little rock or at the most boulder uh, and Jesus is saying on this rock I will build my church and and you know how in our in our culture and our language we like plays on words and we like puns and we like well that, that's not new and so here in the Greek which you can't see it in the English 
there's a different word for so Peter is rock on the one hand and then there's this rock that I'll build my church on is actually a different word so it means like a huge rocky outcrop rather than a boulder or a small a small rock so he's not referring to Peter in person that he's going to build his rock on he's building he's referring to this rocky outcrop of this thing that has happened to Peter and the others which is by revelation from the father they have understood that he is the Christ the son of the living God and he's saying on this revelation this outcrop of solid revelation about the nature of Jesus I'm going to build this thing called my church and the gates of hell won't prevail against it so it means that anybody who's had this revelation that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, is part of the church and is being built by Jesus into this thing he's calling church, which we'll look at in a minute. And it also means that if that isn't where you're at, you're not yet church, which actually gives some of my friends a difficulty because they are leading things called churches and not everybody that attends them or is in them and thinks they're in the church is in the church by this definition because church has become defined as the building the kirk or or the institution i'm part of the institution of the church but what jesus is clearly telling us is the church is the people that have had the revelation that he is the christ the son of the living god and, and so for 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 those that are involved in those more uh, those kind of situations their job is to try and get more of the people on the rock um, uh, and sometimes because we have those situations around us it can confuse us as to the nature of the church which is why it's good to remember that the church is the people who believe this about the Lord Jesus and and those are the people that he is active in and on to build the church so he said I will build and, and it's literally like build like go build a house go i'm a i'm a i'm a house builder jesus is saying i'm a church builder so he's, he's referring to the process of gathering the materials and putting them together to make something that's got a semblance of order and function to it and, and as we know elsewhere in scripture it talks about us as being the living stones and, and so he's really talking about gathering us connecting us together building us into some sort of shape uh helping us learn how to function he's active in that process of building his church connecting it uh helping people uh, giving people gifts i mean we know in ephesians he gives people gifts we know that in in one corinthians as well he's he's actively giving gifts that then help build the church and that's jesus's role he's building his church like a builder builds a house but he's building relationships functions gifts and knitting it together in a way that it can actually function and then he says we could skirt over this he then he says i will build my church and that's kind of like yeah okay yeah build your church let's move on but actually the i will build my church is possibly one of the most radical things that he's saying to the people that are listening at the at that particular time and that is often important for us to really get the juices out of the bible is to understand what the hearers were hearing not what we're hearing so he's not saying i'll build my institution or i'll build my you know my nice sandstone building he's saying something actually much more profound and there's two groups of people listening to this and both groups will have a slightly different take on what they're hearing so the word in the greek is ecclesia and the first group of people that are hearing this uh, are are the are the jewish people that are listening to him 
um, and they would have heard that word used of of Moses's congregation in the wilderness. So, the Greek translation of the Old Testament is called the Septuagint, and it uses the word ecclesia for the group of people that Moses leads out of Egypt and in, into the well, he leads them to the the river just before they get into the promised land. So that was Moses's congregation. Moses's ecclesia is what it's mentioned as. And the people that were were listening to him saw themselves as the continuation of Moses's ecclesia. So they were built on the teachings of Moses. And that's what the Pharisees and the Sadducees were busy teaching. So this group of people saw themselves, if you like, as part of Moses' church, Moses' assembly, Moses' group. So the, the actually offensive and challenging thing that Jesus says is, I'm going to build my church. I'm not now coming to perpetuate Moses' thing. I've come to build my congregation. So to the Jewish hearers, that would have been potentially challenging and offensive because everything was seen in the light of Moses. And now Jesus is saying, Something that they could hear is quite arrogant. Well, who are you to start building your thing? We're all here doing this thing we've been doing for centuries. And he's saying, well, that's old. This is new. I'm building my thing. You've also got a culture which is, is heavily influenced by Romans and by the Roman Empire and by Greek thinking. And the word ecclesia was used commonly in their culture for the word assembly and primarily for a specific kind of assembly. So years ago when we were on holiday in Turkey, we went to Ephesus, which was a classic uh, Roman city. And in the center of this Roman city is this giant thing we would call an amphitheater. Um, and every Roman city that was built had one of these in it. Uh, it we lived in Chester years ago, and they, they unearthed and excavated a partial amphitheater. And then... Popularly, we would think maybe that was for games, you know, for throwing the Christians to the lions or something like that, or for entertainment. A actually, the primary purpose of building an amphitheater in a Roman city was so that one person from every free family in that city could congregate to make democratic decisions that governed that city. So the size of a city, they used the amphitheater to calculate how many people lived in the city because one family had one seat. And then they work out the average size of a family and how many slaves and, and on you go. Just that's a bit of a, a sidetrack, a bit of information. So, so that a big amphitheater meant that you had one person in a big city and they would gather, I think, twice a year and they would make decisions in a kind of democratic way led by the form of city council. So... The people with Greek and Roman knowledge are hearing Jesus saying, I'm going to build my ecclesia. I'm going to build my legislative assembly. The, the more uh, Jewish orientated ones are like, well, Jesus is building his congregation and not Moses. This is a complete separation and step away from our history into something else. And both things are true. We know that he was establishing something completely new. And one of the great challenges of the early apostles was to define the church as a separate thing to Judaism. And it slowly kind of emerged as its own reality because Jesus was building his church. But he's also building his legislative assembly. He's building his ecclesia, which is what they were hearing. Now, now this, is a, this is a big deal because 
Jesus deliberately picks some words that, that, that are a threat to the culture that he's in because he also decides to call his key leaders at the beginning apostles. Now, to us, again, that's kind of like boring, maybe religious familiar language, but to them, the fact that he deliberately picked that word was actually really challenging because he didn't use Old Testament things or Jewish cultural th things that they would have understood, i.e. he didn't call them teachers or rabbis, he didn't call them a bunch of priests, and he didn't call them prophets. The word he picked, apostle, was out of Roman and Greek culture, not out of Jewish culture. And the word apostle, it took some, some research in this, but the, the word apostle in its usage was used of people sent from Rome after Rome had conquered a city or an area. So they're sending their armies. It, it, it was a burgeoning empire. They, they, they grew by conquest. They, they sort of took over an area. But what they wanted to do was then make that area as much like Rome as possible so that if Caesar showed up, it would feel familiar. And they thought Rome was like the place. That's why they were called Romans. And they wanted to export their culture, not just their... Their, uh, their, uh, their, their authority through their armies and through military means. So the apostles sent from Rome were the people that came after the military conquest to bring the culture of Rome and make the dress and the language and the customs and the behaviors like Rome in the place that had been conquered. So here's Jesus deliberately picking like Ecclesia, Apostle. So people are start, and he's saying ultimately that he's the king of kings, which is how Caesar saw himself. He's basically setting up a parallel government. So the ecclesia is this legislative assembly. He's got apostles leading his church that have come to to bring culture to enculturate the places that they're going, and it's and, and it's led by this king of kings. So he's actually creating this alternative government structure that is bringing the government of heaven into the earth. So just saying my church has a big, big impact on the people that he's hearing in a way that perhaps doesn't land with us straight away unless we think about it. He's building his place of alternative government. So there's a real sense in which when the church of Jesus Christ gathers, it's gathering to govern, not just to worship. And in fact, there's a real sense in which when it worships, it's governing, which we don't have time to get into all of that. But this is, a, this is an element that we've actually seen in our church, in Hope Church. If you remember, as you've been around, the times where we saw knife crime drop in our city and, and knife carrying drop in the city. And it was directly linked to a shift that happened in our worship. There was prophetic words. And there was no other particular reason why this was happening, except that fear had gone down in the city so people weren't carrying so many knives that the effect of the church's prayer and worship was to change the atmosphere of a city that's that's the ecclesia governing that's gathering to govern um so the gates of hell sorry i've jumped on too quickly uh, he will build his church and that's a radical thing for them to hear in their day much more radical than it would normally land for us. And then it says that the gates of hell won't prevail against this church that he's building. Um, gets just gets more exciting from my point of view. Um, the, again, the gates is another picture language or, 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 or language that talks about a place of government. So in, in Jewish history, 
and Jewish, uh, the way that Jewish cities functioned, the elders sat in the gates. So the gates were synonymous with the place of government. So, so again, the hearers are hearing like the place of government of hell is not going to withstand or overcome the church that Jesus is building. This ecclesia, this governmental assembly, is not going to be overwhelmed by the government of Hades, by the government of hell. It's actually going to be overcome by it. Um, so the church has this unique place of authority then. He underlines this authority message by talking about keys and binding and loosing, which is another way of expressing authority, that he's giving these keys, this ability and authority to bind and loose on the earth that's which has already been bound and loosed in heaven so i think the the best language or the best translation of that is i give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven church and you can bind on earth what's already bound in heaven and you can loose on earth what's already been loosed in heaven he actually authorizes the ecclesia to bring the the flavor nature of heaven into the earth so you can bind stuff here that's not legal there and you can loose stuff here that is happening there so it literally create he's literally creating if you like an authority an authority structure to bring the government of the kingdom of heaven into the earth through his church, through his apostles, and so on and so forth. Uh, so, and here's an example. There's some examples of this in Scripture. One of the ones I, I'm particularly fond of is in Luke 10. If you remember, Jesus sends out the twelve to do signs and wonders, and and so on. And then a little bit later, in, in Luke anyway, it's in chapter 10. He sends out 72 others to heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead. And then they come back and they're super excited. Uh, and about, about it's verse uh, 17, the 72 returned with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And they're like, woo, you know, we went out on this mission trip and we're like, wow, this is amazing. You know, we saw, we saw the lepers healed Jesus. We saw their skin change. We saw, we saw the people whose ears had rotted away and they got new ears. You know, this sort of thing happens. And this is the kind of healing of the leper ministry jesus had you know their new noses grew back on all the demons disappeared that we addressed and they're like they're having testimony time with jesus and he's, he's kind of saying well that that's cool and before he says the bit that we're familiar with which is don't rejoice in this rejoice that your names are written in the lamb's book of life he says this thing he says you know what i saw satan fall like lightning from heaven now you could read the commentaries there's lots of debate about what that might mean but I'm all for just reading the main and the plain here in the context he's saying while you were doing your thing I was watching the effect 72 people doing this kingdom of God proclamation declaration and demonstration resulted in Satan falling from his perch like lightning to the earth there was such a destabilization of somehow of the of the authority structures of the heavenlies that Satan was sitting on top of that he just completely crashed down because of the threat, the challenge, and the success of this new kingdom that was being proclaimed and demonstrated through the 72. Just 72 made Satan fall. I'm like, 
this is our commission. This is who we are. And this is the kind of, uh, in the right sense, mayhem that we can create. You know, this is a, the, this, the shift in authority structure is quite uh, amazing. And if you want another example, read about the, what happens in Ephesus in Acts 19. It's another similar kind of un, unfolding of the authority that Jesus had given to his, uh, his church. Huh. And then, just to kind of land this really, Jesus told them in Matthew 5, and this is related to this, says, you're the light of the world, a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. It's really another way of saying a very similar thing. You are the light of the world, a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. There's a lot of parallel between um, city, Jerusalem, and church in the Bible as the gathered redeemed and ultimately there's this glorious city coming down out of heaven in in revelation but what he's saying is you're the light of the world now there's another nice sort of phrase that goes around christianity and i was really helped by chris valentin on this on something he said and and the phrase goes something like this which is you know the world's going to get darker and we're going to get lighter have any of you guys come across that sort of language i definitely have just sort of you have to use more eyebrow power when you've got your face mask on and thing and it kind of makes sense you think oh yeah maybe i could see that you know things are getting darker but we're going to shine brighter because we're we're the light of the world but but the the point jesus is making is that you're the light of the world if it's getting darker it's because we're not switched on enough the, the la level of light in the world is completely dependent on how much we're shining. There's not another light source. We are the source. So if we're doing a good job of shining, it's going to be brighter. So if it's getting darker out there, it's because the church isn't being the light. Isn't like, yeah, we're going to get lighter in the darkness. No, the point is, and this is in the context of we are the salt of the earth and all that. The point is we're here to bring salt and light not to stand back to watch it rot and go, how salty and light are we? Um, which completely parallels these ideas that we're seeing here in, in, in Matthew 16, that we're here as a church, as a community, to express and bring the kingdom of heaven onto the earth. And we've been authorized to do that. We have the authority to do that I, I'm, I'm I like sci-fi and I like sci-fi movies but I'm really starting to get fed up of them now because nearly all of them are dystopian do you know what I mean like the, it's what happens after we totally screwed everything up on in the earth we either unleashed um, savage AI that decided that we were the plague and so so it's a, a sort of warred against humanity or we unleash some sort of nuclear accident that has completely ruined the planet and, and the sun isn't shining anymore. And, or, or we've allowed global warming to go so far that everything's frozen or everything's boiled or we've drowned. Or, and, and then the stories go on about how somehow we've now colonized Mars or something just to escape the mess we made of the last planet we had. And I'm like, it's so depressing. And, and this, this is on repeat now. There's so many of these movies all based on this gloomy... I'm like... We're not doing a good job of being light of the world, guys. Everybody thinks we're just going to die in some mixture of, 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 I don't know, heat, radiation, and crazy robots. I mean, 
surely we have a role to bring hope. We are the bringers of hope. I, I think we're the, potentially the bringers of the solutions to global warming. There could be a completely other angle to this that no one's thought of. And here we are, the church, the light of the world, come to bring hope, come to bring illumination. There's so much uh, division in our, in our world. You can just see it. I mean, we've just been through elections. We've just been through... I mean, even COVID has created division, isn't it? The, those that will wear masks and those that won't. The, the, the anti-vaxxers and the... I mean, you just look everywhere. And actually, the church is meant to bring forgiveness and peace and harmony. If we can get that our act together in terms of forgiving one another... In embracing one another in our differences we have a heck of a lot to shine into the world that we live in to not get pulled apart by our differences but to find one another in uh, maybe in our differences and yet find unity and embrace one another there's so much depression and discouragement yet the kingdom is joy we're the, we are the joy bringers. I hear lots of people called, you know, you're a joy bringer. Actually, we're the joy bringers. And, and to, to gather together and experience the joy of heaven and then take it into our places of work, our Zoom calls, our, our hospitals, etc., etc. People want joy. They want, and we're it. We're the source of it. We are the light of the world. And that looks like, as we've talked about what the kingdom is, it's righteousness, it's peace, it's joy, it, it's the power of God, it's not works. And we are bringing that, that kingdom flavor to illuminate and help people in their daily lives. So where there's joylessness, we bring joy. Where there's division, we bring harmony. Uh, where there's difficulty trusting because there's a lack of integrity, we are integrous and we pray for our government. I don't think I've prayed for governments as much as recently and all that they're carrying and then all the issues of the elections. That's our job is to pray, if, if pray governmental prayers to help government govern but help the kingdom of heaven influence the government. Um, and, and we have a society that's unequal that's part of this righteousness that we're to bring is, is the righting of wrongs and the leveling up of the world. This is who we are and this is our commission to be the people who bring the kingdom of God, righteousness, peace and joy into a society that really, really needs it. And we're the source. And we have the authority to, to bring it. So the city needs us functioning, declaring, worshipping, praying and in this sort of covid season because of all kinds of understandable things it's been we've ended up building our um our life has kind of carried on and we've tried to make our adjustments and we kind of fitted church into life but actually i think as we emerge from this we have to reprioritize church get out of our jammies gather to govern you know, it's inconvenient. You know, we have children, but but children aren't inconvenient. They're part of the kingdom. We want to see them grow. We want to see them in, encounter Jesus. But but it, it, it it's reengaging with the discomfort and the and and, and and what have you, the inconvenience of prioritizing gathering to govern. But I think that's something that we just need to recapture. And I believe actually we'll go further. I think that in COVID, Jesus has still been building his church. And, and I know that I've said it a few times at the beginning, we're going to come out of it stronger. Why do I think that? Because he's building his church. Not because 
I'm a genius or we've come up with some amazing way to work through Facebook Live. No, he's still building his church. He's never stopped building his church and he's going to keep building his church. We need to recognize the devil works hard to discourage us about church, to devalue church, to introduce division in the church, to introduce lethargy in the, about church and distrust in the church because he knows something we don't always remember, which is when we're, when we're fully functioning, his gates are coming off. When we're doing our thing, he can't do his thing. When we're hosting the presence of God, that actually shuts down the activity of the enemy. When we're healing the sick and casting out demons and bringing joy and peace, all of those things get rid of the destructive power of the enemy that he's trying to establish in the earth. So he wants to make us feel like it's not worth it when actually it's the best and most important thing we could possibly do. So let's shake off, let's shake off the, 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 the church in Jami's mentality of, of the last year and, and, and re, re-engage with this idea that we are the church of the living God that he is building and through us, he is going to govern Greater Glasgow and make it a better, better place. Amen.